Well, good morning. My name's Nate. I'm one of the pastors here. Great to be with you today to sing those songs and let God begin to work in us. And uh, I'm excited to have this time with you this morning to, to lean in what God wants to say to us in his word today. We've been talking about faith every day, how we live out our faith in everyday settings. And this morning, we want to focus in on living out our faith uh, at work, uh, our jobs, our communities, our neighborhoods, our places of business. My first job was at a McDonald's. How many of you ever worked at McDonald's? Any, any proud McDonald's workers? Just a couple, okay. I was actually tricked into a job at McDonald's. It was uh, my dad. So uh, after my sophomore fall of uh, football season, when that ended, I, I wanted to get a job. My dad wanted me to get a job, so I began to start to look. But I was dragging my feet, you know, making excuses uh, why it wasn't quite the right job for me. And then one Saturday, my dad said, hey, after you work out in the yard, get things cleaned up, why don't we go out and get some lunch? And he didn't ask me that very often. And I was like, okay. And we went to McDonald's, and we had burgers and fries. I'm like, this is awesome, you know? And, and then at the end of the meal, there was um, something about the tone of his face changed. I don't know if you know what I mean. Like, it was just like something was different. He said, uh, before we leave, Nathan, I want you to go up to the counter and uh, get an application, fill that out, and talk to a manager. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, come on, let's just go. And he's like, nope, we're not going anywhere until you do that. And uh, I got tricked into a job at McDonald's because they hired me on the spot. <laughs> and uh, that was that. My dad was happy and I was sad. They had, this, um, they had this little phrase at McDonald's, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. And I was like, that is not a phrase I enjoy. Uh, but they allowed me to take chicken nuggets with me when I left, so that was a win. And uh, a good, good first job. There's a, a passage in the New Testament in Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, and he writes about working, and he says this, work at everything you do with all of your heart, as if you are working for the Lord, not for human masters. Work because you know that you will finally receive a, as a reward what the Lord wants you to have. You are serving the Lord Christ. Whatever we do with our weeks, with our Monday through Saturday work lives, we do it for God. We don't just do it for a paycheck, even though that's important. Uh, we don't just uh, work to create or build or care or teach or write or even to take chicken nuggets home after the shift. Um, we work to point people towards God, to glorify him in, in our community, in our neighborhood. Everything we do can glorify God, can illuminate his presence and his power in our lives. It doesn't have to, but, but it can. It can. When, when what we do lifts up our creator's beauty and goodness and power, then our work can actually become worship. Our work can be worship. When we think about worshiping God, we think about Sunday mornings. We gather to worship. And, sun and Monday mornings, we gather to work. But what Scripture tells us is that we can actually worship God through our work, our Monday through Friday, our Monday through Saturday jobs. Dorothy Sayers was a poet and author who lived about the same time as C.S. Lewis, and she wrote an essay uh, entitled, Why Work? And here's part of what she wrote in that essay. Let the church remember this, that every maker and worker is called to serve God in his profession or trade, not outside of it. The only Christian work is good work well done. When you do your jobs in a good way, you are glorifying God. So when we bring, when we bring our faith to the office or the design studio or the clinic, the Zoom room, the conference call, the classroom, the restaurant, the delivery truck, wherever we work and earn a living, when we bring our faith, God can do things beyond our human ability. He can show up in powerful ways. He can 
touch the lives of those that we work with and do amazing things. When we bring our faith to work, we might see that pursuing new life in Jesus can actually happen in surprising places. Now, my, my work actually takes place in a church. So bringing my faith to work makes, you know, it's pretty easy because I'm in a church setting. I, my understanding of, of my faith impacting like an outside the church kind of work world is somewhat limited. In fact, my challenge is allowing my faith to be deeply personal as I kind of live it out in a, a public way. It can be really easy for me to fake faith uh, just so I might look good in front of the church, and, and that's kind of a deadly thing. That's a killer if I fake it. That's killer. Uh, since I'm limited in how I actually see this play out in uh, faith in the workplace, um, I thought it'd be good to sit down with someone who does this Monday through Friday, someone who's been in a career for many years bringing her faith to her job and letting her share her story with you this morning. So this is our fourth week in our Faith Everyday series, and so far we've, we've talked with Eric about different spiritual pathways. We talked with Rebecca about how we deal with shame. Uh, Kerwin spoke to us about how to stay curious as we get to know people. Uh, last week, uh, Grace talked with us about how she lives out her faith in high school. Uh, this morning, I want to introduce you to Kathy. Kathy is a real estate agent here in Johnson County. Uh, when Angela and I moved here two years ago, she was our real estate agent, and uh, we love our home, so she, Kathy has a special place in our hearts because she helped us find it. And Kathy and I sat down uh, about 10 days ago and, and had a conversation and recorded that so we could share it with you this morning about how she brings her faith to work. And so this uh, conversation is about eight minutes long, and it's a, a video I want you to watch, so let's watch this together. Uh, Kathy, thanks for time this morning. Uh, why don't you start, introduce yourself to us. Thanks, um, I'm Kathy Claudell, and as you know, I'm married to Terry, my husband. We have four kids, and we have three grandkids. Yeah. So we've been going to Hillcrest for about 20 plus years. Okay. And we're sitting in a house that you're listing right now. Yes, so isn't it beautiful? How, yeah, it is. <laughs> how long have you been in uh, real estate? Um, this is my 30th year. So it's been a long time. Yeah, so you know all the roads in Johnson County. And I sure do. How to get, if someone <laughs> so, needs directions. Yes, I can usually get you there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a few weeks ago we talked about uh, spiritual pathways at church, different ways we connect with God. Uh, so out of those pathways, which one did you connect with the most? I'm definitely more relational. Um, I like that we're doing this one-on-one. -on -one. I do much better with people in small groups. So thank you for letting me do it this way. But um, yes, I love people and I love um, what I do. So it's just been a really good fit for me. Yeah, you so, can meet a lot of people. I do. work and... I meet a lot of people. Yeah. It's been fun. I've met people from all over the world. Sometimes I have people, I've had clients from South Africa and India. And so it's been a really fun way um, that God has brought people into my life and learned about people that I never knew I would ever meet. Yeah. When, when, uh, when I think about selling a house, a lot of times I think about you know, it's, it's fun, You're, you got a new job out of state or there's a new thing in life, but it's not always great news when you have to sell a house. So you've, you've, hit, you've been with people through some tough things as well. I have, and sometimes I'm the first one to hear about those tough things. Someone will call and say, hey, don't say anything yet, but we're, gonna, we're separating and we need to sell the house. Or I'm sick and we need to downsize. Um, and sometimes I've had 
clients even last year that um, I had sold their family homes several different times, including both sisters and the mom and dad. And last year I got, I knew they had been sick and I got a call and both mom and dad had passed away within six weeks. So, and that was hard, it was sad, because um, I knew everyone involved and I knew the struggle that they were having. And so it's really great to walk through with people during the really happy times, but it's a privilege that I don't take lightly when I get to walk through some of those really hard times with people. Yeah, it's it's almost pastoral. It is, <laughs> it is, in a, in a weird kind of way, yeah. because you get to be right up close mm -hmm. to what they're experiencing yeah, yeah, and hold their hand a little bit. Yeah, it is a privilege, mm -hmm. but challenging. It is. Yeah. Our, um, the vision at our church right now mm -hmm. is pursuing new life together in Jesus. Mm -hmm. So when you hear that, what, what stands out to you? What does that mean to you in the work you do? Well, um, when I think about life with Jesus and how I respond to other people, that comes out in so many different ways. Um, you know, I think with Jesus in my life, I have much more patience with people than I would have had normally. Um, I think I also am hoping that I have rely on him for wisdom and strength when um, we're negotiating or when we're pricing homes or even helping them guide them on which home they should buy. Um, or if they sometimes it's the best thing to just wait. It's like, you know what, this probably isn't the best time. It's okay, let's just wait and I'll be here when you're ready. And it's a lot of wisdom, a mm -hmm. lot of discernment, so trying to figure things those out. Those things are hard. And sometimes it's just helping them with baby steps. Um, it's a really overwhelming process for people, especially if they haven't done it for a really long time. And so I do it on a daily basis, but for someone who hasn't sold their house in 30 years, man, that's hard. And so I can just say, okay, so let's just do the next thing and then the next thing. And that helps, I think, calm their hearts. And um, that's just something I've been able to learn with the Lord's help, helping me process with people. It's uh, your faith has um, created almost like another reservoir for you to draw from in, in your work with people and with uh, home sales. It's really fun because, you know, if you're just kind of doing life on your own, you see God answer prayers for your life and maybe the immediate family. But with what I do, it's so cool because you get to see God answer prayers for so many people in so many ways. And when you start out in this job, um, you meet people for the first time and you find out what their plan is, whether it's buying or selling, and you see how God answers that prayer. Not all my people are Christians and not all my people are praying about it, but I am. And it's just so cool to see how it goes from the beginning to the end and how it, how God answers us. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. What other uh, principles of your faith or biblical principles do you see uh, in action in your job at, at work? Um, I feel like, um, number one, God wants all of us to be honest and have integrity in our work. And in um, this profession, along with so many others, it's so important because people really need to trust me 
and they need to know that I'm speaking the truth and that I am representing them in a really the best light and I'm not sharing things that are not to be shared and so that they can trust me so I think um, that integrity is really good honesty is so important um, you know sometimes people in sales get accused of being less than honest so I think it's really important to be honest and then um, one thing I've learned um, recently is um, that God is the one who's given me the talents and um, the abilities that I have and sometimes um, in the past I have compared myself to other people and not felt adequate and not relied on God's strength to do what I do and um, compared myself and recently I've discovered that it's more important to cheer for other people than to compare yourself to other people and so it's been a great opportunity uh, I recently moved offices and there are so many young new agents and that are very talented and very good and it's been a really good learning experience I learned from them and I'm hoping that I can also encourage them and give them some encouragement that you know they're doing great and really um, check in with them and find out what is important to them, what's going on with their kids, and um, just hope that you know we can build a trusting relationship and that I can be there for the big things and the big wins in their life too. Yeah, yeah. And so it's such a great way to think about it that it's not I'm not against them, I'm with them and for them. Any other principles that kind of stand out to you to help you in your work? Well, I think it's really important to be kind. Um, we learned that when we were little kids, you know, God wants us to be kind to others. And some of the people that I've run into, not necessarily my clients, they're all great, but, <laughs> but you know, there's difficult agents, there's difficult situations, and it's just a stressful time in people's life, and sometimes it brings out not the best in people. So. I think if I can be the calming force and kind in our dealings, that it goes a long ways. Yeah. So, and God wants us to be kind. He does. Yeah. yeah. Right God wants us to be kind. Just tell him, God wants you to be kind. All right. Well, how would that change our lives? If uh, every day we just tried to be kind to those around us, if we thought about being kind, uh, wouldn't that change how our families and our neighborhoods operate? I, I really enjoyed that conversation with Kathy. Um, she definitely has that relational pathway where she connects with what God's doing in her life through connections with other people, through conversations, uh, hearing what God is doing in their life encourages her own faith. Uh, she, she loves people, and they're a big part of what she does in her work. And I, I love how she talked about not just the clients that she has, but other coworkers alongside her, other people at the agency that she bumps into, um, and not just her client. Like every person she encounters, she says, well, how can I bring my faith to this relationship, to this conversation? I think that's uh, part of why uh, Kathy it, it talks so much about how, how her faith helps her in her work. Uh, we can bring our faith to work in this way, 
and how we interact with other people, how we uh, interact with them in, in positive and in good ways. Kathy talked about patience and kindness and compassion, honesty and love. She talked about the challenge of comparing herself to others and how she's learned to cheer them on instead of comparing herself to them, and I think that's a big deal. I asked uh, several other uh, business people, uh, people who are working in careers and things like that, to share with me how their faith impacts them, and a lot of them got back to me. just want to share a few of the quotes I, I got from people as they talked about that. Uh, Steve said at work, he says, I ask God to help my attitude to be compassionate as it's not a natural gift of mine. Some good self-awareness from Steve there. Uh, Tim said, I really want to do the best I can each day at what I'm good at doing. I feel like God has given me the gift of listening and applying knowledge and training others in their roles, and it's something I, I really do find rewarding. Jeff said, I ask God frequently before I have a difficult discussion to give me wisdom and knowledge. The Spirit of God would, would help inform my conversations. Mindy said, my time, my interactions, and my efforts are seen by God, and I can rest in his strong hand that provides what I need. I like what Jamie said. She said, my beliefs help influence my work by helping me to treat those I interact with with respect and kindness. There's that kindness again. Finally, Jim said, I try to never say a bad thing about anyone. There's a challenge. This is uh, one of my most challenging areas, to not take out my anger or frustration in the form of blame for an associate. What I hear in their words, what I hear heard in Kathy's words is this idea of good things coming out of our lives as we allow our faith to move from our head down into our hearts and really transform how we live our lives. It has this ability to come out of us, what we say, what we do with our hands, and make a difference in the lives of people around us to really be a benefit in our places of work and in every other place we encounter, at home, in our neighborhood, with our families. Uh, things like patience and kindness and peace and self-control. Uh, one of those I, I interacted with this week sent me a text from James 3. It says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is pure. That's the most important thing about it. And that's not all. It also loves peace. It thinks about others. It obeys. It is full of mercy and good fruit. It is fair. It doesn't pretend to be what it is not. And I think that word good fruit is really helpful. I want to focus in on that idea of fruit, the things that we produce that come out of our lives, the things that, that other people see when they look at us, when they interact with us, the things that they feel when they talk with us, that we can bring good fruit out of our lives. How do we develop that? What gets in the way of us bringing those things out of our lives? That's what I want to focus on this morning. When I think about peace and patience and kindness, I think about a letter that Paul wrote about 2,000 years ago to some of his friends to the early churches in Galatia, which is an area in the ancient world that we call Turkey today. And he wrote to several churches around Galatia and sent them this letter. And I want to invite you to grab a Bible if you've got one and open up to the New Testament letter he wrote to them called Galatians. And we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5. You can open up your Bible app on your phone if you want. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 26 is what we're going to read together. And uh, Paul wrote this letter to a group of people that were living during a time when, when they were being almost tricked, I would say, into building their faith on religion and rules instead of on a relationship with Jesus that was open to them by the grace of God. Paul was reminding them that they were free from all the religious hoop jumping that they maybe grew up with, all the rules that they felt like they had to follow to be good people. He said that we're freed from those things, and we are invited into a different kind of relationship with our Creator God. 
And some of them, you know, one of the things in Galatians 5, verse 4, he said these words, if you try to be made right with God through the law, your life with Christ is over. You have left God's grace. He said, we're, we're people of grace, not the law. And so some began to say, well, so then can we do anything we want to do? And Paul began to say, well, there, there is a way of life that honors God, that, that um, worships him. And, and that's what we want to focus on. So he, he starts to pick that up in verse 16 here of Galatians 5. Here's what Paul wrote to his friends. He said, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. He's saying that there's a way for us that's uh, maybe according to our physical, our flesh, the way we were created, uh, a normal human way of expressing life. He says there's a way of living life that looks pretty normal when you think of humanity, but we're called to a different kind of life, a life by the Spirit. And he said those two options are in conflict with one another. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness and orgies and the like. I'm like, wow, Paul, that is quite the list he gives us there of what life looks like when we're trying to live it in our own power. He said, I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. They are not living and walking in the kingdom. They will not be kingdom people. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And by crucified, he means you've killed it. It's dead. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Paul says that when we live this way, he says it's like we're walking with the Spirit. He used that phrase a couple times. Right at the beginning, verse 16, walk by the Spirit. At the end, in verse 25, he said, keep in step with the Spirit. How do we allow God to bring these good things out of our lives? How do we bring out things like peace and patience and self-control? Paul says you've got to stay in step with the Spirit of God. You have to walk step by step with Him. How do we help others instead of hurt them? How do we bless others instead of curse them? How do we bring new life instead of ushering in death? We walk and keep in step with the Spirit of God. That's how we do it. We walk and stay in step with the Spirit of God. When I would go on little hikes with my kiddos when they were little, we lived in Minnesota, and in the winter, obviously, there'd be snow on the ground. So we'd have like a foot of snow, and we'd be out in our boots, and I would say, as we're walking, just step where I'm stepping, you know? Follow my footsteps. And there'd be a little parade behind me and my three kiddos, uh, you know, trying to keep snow out of their snow pants and all that kind of stuff by following my footsteps. And I would have to be careful about how far I stepped, right? You have to keep them small steps. And it would go great for a while, and then we'd come into a busier area of the park where there was lots of trails crisscrossing through the snow, and inevitably one of my kids would say, well, I can't figure out which one's yours, Dad. I don't know which footprint is yours and they would kind of have fun trying to figure out where I was stepping. We, we need to walk in step with the Spirit of God. And the problem is, is that in our world today, there's lots of different trails around us. There's lots of other pathways, ways that we can walk. 
different foot place, footsteps that we can step into. And Paul here is saying, walk in step with the Spirit instead of following a different path. And then he gives this list of the different options. He says, here's one path, and here's the other path. There's this path of the sinful nature. Some translations call it the flesh, how we might live out our, our reality um, based on human struggles that we have. And, and he has this long list, and I think you could break it into four categories. It's a little bit arbitrary, but just to get our minds around it a little bit more, I think these four categories sort of jump out for me. The sexual, the religious, the interpersonal, and the cultural. And there's, there's deadly footsteps that, that can break us down when we walk in the pathways away from the Spirit of God, these, these fleshly pathways. The first one, sexual, the sexual one. Immortality, I mean, immorality, sorry. Immorality, impurity, and debauchery. And when we follow this footpath, we take this beautiful gift that God created, this intimacy, this, this idea of sex that God created us for, and it, and, he, and it gets reduced down to a purely physical transaction. God designed it to be a spiritual and relational bond that takes place uh, in a covenant relationship, a, a promise, a vow that's made in marriage between two people. And it gets changed into something else when we make it less than that. The next category is religious, idolatry and witchcraft, Paul writes. This is a, a footpath that's connected. When we try to engage with supernatural realities like the power, we try to look for energy or power outside of ourselves, but we do that in, in, in the, the areas of darkness in the spiritual realm instead of in the areas that God created us to. We look into things uh, that could be described as idolatry and witchcraft. And, and we still have, you know, Paul had that in his day, we still have it today. Uh, different ways we can engage with spiritual realities that are not what God would have us do, what we were created for. Then there's the other ways of the flesh that are interpersonal. And here there's a long list of ways that there's friction between people. Paul says hatred and discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy. They, they make me think about that time Jesus was teaching and he said, you've heard it say, do not kill. But I tell you, if you wish that someone was dead in your heart, you've committed that sin of murder. And Jesus set the bar really high for us. He said, what we think about, what we think about others, actually matters. And uh, th these words that Paul writes down makes me think about those things that go on inside of us sometimes, that even, that we need to think about that as well. And finally, there's these cultural steps away from the Spirit, drunkenness and orgies. These were actually practices in Paul's day that were used in the worship of the Roman gods, the Roman pantheon like Zeus and Athena and Juno. They would worship those gods through different uh, ceremonies that we would just be, we would be shocked by today. Uh, and Paul is saying that is not the way to walk in step with the Spirit. That's walking away from the Spirit. He says there's a conflict between these avenues and the pathway that we're invited, that we were really created to walk, the pathway of the Spirit. Instead of walking step by step with the flesh, he says, let's walk step by step with the Spirit of God. The good things that he wants to bring out of us, what, he, what Paul calls fruit, the good fruit. And there's you know, he lists those good fruits there, and I think about the inward expression of them, the interpersonal expression of them, and the, out, the external expression of these fruits. So there's a, the inward anchors of, of love and joy and peace that, that steady our hearts, these things that anchor us and focus our minds to, to the light of God's love all around us, and allows us to speak words of hope instead of, instead of pain into our reality. Then there's those interpersonal fruits, like patience and kindness, and goodness, that how we treat people around us, how we interact with them, 
Are, are we being kind and gentle? Uh, we, we speak truth, but we can do it in a good way, in a way that doesn't bring hardship and stress to the relationship, but helps them to see God's presence and grace in the moment. And then there's the external kind of evidences that we are walking in the Spirit, things that people see in us, uh, even from a distance at times, things like faithfulness and, and gentleness and self-control that they can see operating in our worlds and in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit. One of the things I, that Kathy brought up as we were talking is, is almost how her, her work can be seen as pastoral. And I think that's true for, for most of us, that as we interact with other people, uh, we can interact with them in the good times of life and in the hard times of life. And when we interact during those hard times of their lives and we speak words of hope and, and kindness and gentleness, we're actually being pastoral with them. Kathy said these words, um, it's great to walk with people during the happy times, but it's a privilege that I don't take lightly when I get to walk through some of those hard times with people. Our, our work has a relational component to them and to it, to, to it and, and if we can walk with people during those hard times, uh, it's really much like we're being pastors to them. I think that's part of why Peter says in the New Testament that if you follow Jesus, you are a priest in the kingdom of God. You, you are pastoral in your work. Some of us are called pastor, pastors vocationally, but all of us can walk with people through their joys and sorrows. But it, it's a daily struggle. Kathy talked about comparing herself to others, and, and we struggle with that comparison. Paul wrote about that in verse 26 here. He said, let us not be envious of others. There's times when we feel like we don't measure up, we feel inadequate, and it can sometimes start us down the wrong pathway. So what is this conflict between these two pathways? What does it look like? What does the Spirit of God do when we start to step down the wrong pathway? pathway? Are there things that he does, uh, ways that he reacts that might call us to attention and help draw us back to uh, walking in step with the Spirit? Well, there are some ways that the Spirit of God reacts when we begin to walk in, in ways opposed to him. And, and Paul writes about them in his letters. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, Paul says, do not let any, let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. This is something that when we act, when we act out, when we walk away from the Spirit, uh, it grieves him. And, and how does that show up? Well, Paul says it shows up in how we treat other people, how we speak to them. Do we say things that lift them up and benefit them, or do we tear them down? Why is it that how we talk to other people, why would that make the Holy Spirit sad? Why would it grieve him? Well, you can go all the way back to how human beings were created. In Genesis chapter 2, God formed man in, in the dirt, and then he breathed into him the Spirit of God, and he became alive. That we are created in the image of God. We are given life through the Spirit of God. And so when his children, when God's kids are, are attacked or pulled down, when anyone bearing the image of God is, is made less than, it grieves his heart. It hurts when we speak in ways that devalue people or, or uh, hurt their personhood in any way. The Spirit of God is grieved by that. Just think about, you know, I've got my own kids. If you hurt or de devalue my kids, I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to be upset. And that's how the Spirit of God interacts with us. When we grieve the Spirit, we're not walking in step with Him. And, and we know that when we are hurting those around us through our words and our actions. Another one shows up in 1 Thessalonians 5. Paul, again, is writing a letter. He says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then he says, Do not quench 
the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Do not quench the Spirit. When I hear that word, I think about when you're thirsty and you get some water to quench your thirst so you don't have to deal with it anymore. This uh, passage here isn't really about that kind of quenching. It's more about like a fire, a fire that's consuming, and we pour water on it to put it out. And Paul says the Spirit of God is like a fire that is consuming things in you that need to be consumed. He is burning away out of your life things that don't need to be in your life. And he says, don't quench that work. Don't put out the fire of the Spirit and the work that he's doing in you. He says we do that when we don't take his word seriously, when we don't take God's word seriously, when we treat prophecies with contempt, when we don't rejoice, when we stop praying, when we stop giving thanks in all circumstances, we can be quenching the work of the Holy Spirit, the, the fire that we want operating in our lives because we want a new kind of life. And it's the burning of the Spirit of God as he burns out those things that we no longer need. We have a new kind of life. Paul says, don't quench it. Don't quench it. Instead of quenching the Spirit, open yourself to him fully. Let him into every area of your life to do the work that he needs to do to transform you and, and get you in line with that you might walk in step with him. This will keep you in step with it. Jesus once said these words, live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch cannot bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you are joined to me. We have to stay connected to Jesus. We need to continue to walk step in step with the Spirit of God. Living out our faith every day at work means that we stay connected to the Spirit, that, that the Creator God is displayed through our lives and how we treat others and, and how we live our lives. That there, this, these good things can come out of us, that we, we might produce things like love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These things come out of our lives because we're walking in step with the Spirit of God instead of grieving him, instead of quenching the work that he wants to do in us, we open ourselves to him. And as he, as he does his work, we can do our work in a new way. We can treat others in a different way. And here we have an opportunity to pray for one another. Because many of us, all of us, I would say, need to grow in our ability to walk step in step with the Spirit. And so I want to pray with you this morning and pray for you that you might be able to have this, this good fruit coming out of your life that you might walk step in step with the Spirit. I want to invite the worship team to come back up, and they're going to help us close together. And as they're coming up here, I, I want to I pray for you. And I, I want to invite you in a different way this morning to allow me to pray for you. I, I hope that as we've been talking, you've had a sense of God's presence. I'm hoping that God's been impressing on some of your hearts the work that he wants for you to be doing, the ways that he wants you to start stepping, being in step with the Spirit of God. Uh, maybe God has helped you see ways that you want to grow. You're like, well, you know, I, I don't always see kindness in my life. I don't always see gentleness. And I want to I see the Spirit of God doing something new in me today. And I want to pray for you about that. And so this morning, instead of just praying generally, I, I'm going to invite you in a moment to stand up if you'd like me to pray for you in that way that you might have a new movement of the Spirit in your life. And I ask you to stand up because when you stand up, you're making a commitment to yourself because it takes a little bit of guts to stand up in a room like this. And you're also letting us know as a, as a church family that we want to be praying for you as well. So uh, I want to pray for you and pray that God might move in a new way. If you sense that God's speaking to you and 
kind of calling you out in some good ways, inviting you to live uh, more in step with the Spirit in some specific ways, I'm just going to invite you to stand right now so that I can pray for you about that. And as you see people standing around you, I want you to pray for them as we pray together that God might continue to move in their life. Thanks for being bold. Thanks for standing up. Let's pray together. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you are present here right now. Spirit of God, we thank you that you created us on purpose, that you've called us to yourself, and that you've invited us to walk with you step by step. And I thank you for those who are standing right now who are saying that they want to walk in step with you, Father. And I pray that you would move in them in a fresh way. We pray that that if there's been any grieving of the Spirit, that they might be able to see that and acknowledge it and that you might be able to rejoice again in who they are and what they want to do. If there's been any quenching of the Spirit, if they've tried to extinguish that flame, the transformation that you're working in them, Lord, that you might, that you might help them fan that flame, add fuel to what you want to do in their life. We pray that as they live out their faith this week, at work or in their family, in their neighborhood, Father, I pray that the fruit of the Spirit might become apparent in them. That those things like peace and joy and love and kindness and gentleness, self-control, all that might pour out of them. That they might be a blessing to those around them. That they might bring light into dark places. The Spirit of God, would you do a new thing in our lives, in their lives today, because of Jesus. Uh, just as real as that worship is, like singing songs and hearing music, that's how your life can be Monday through Saturday while you're working. You bring that same spirit to the job, to your family, to your neighborhood. Uh, it's been so good to be with you this morning. I want to invite our prayer volunteers to come up at this time every Sunday after church. If you'd like someone to pray with you and encourage you and lift up things in your life, there are volunteers are right up front here to come and uh, just come on up here and let us pray with you. As you go, drop those connection cards. If you have offering, anything like that, you can drop those in the joy boxes in the back of the room here. Uh, we celebrate generosity here, so appreciate that. Uh, go with God. Know that he's invited you to walk step in step with the Spirit. Uh, identify what it is in you that is, is keeping you from walking in step with the Spirit and, and ask, ask the Spirit to, to burn that up, to take that out. So go and, and bring light to dark places, hope to hopeless people. Uh, be part of the kingdom this week. We'll see you next Sunday. Go with God. Amen.